For our opening scripture this morning, please take out the purple responsive reading sheet. And I will start out by reading the light print, and followed by the congregation with the bold print. And we will alternate, Pauline and I, reading the, uh, the scriptures. <coughs> Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, grace forgiveness. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel from all their sins. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of, is- of David, is it not enough to try the patience of human beings? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give I'll be reading from Isaiah 26, 7 through 9. But for those who are righteous, the path is not steep and rough. You are a God of justice, and you smooth out the road ahead of them. Lord, we love to obey your laws. Our hearts desire to glorify your name. All night long I search for you. Earnestly I seek for God. For only when you come to judge the earth will people turn from wickedness and do what is right. I'm reading Luke 2, 25-33. Now there is a man in Jerusalem called Simon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been, oh, <laughs> that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the spirits, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
Our theme today is weight. It's not something most of us are very good at. It's not something that is usually to be enjoyed. Although there is anticipation sometimes in waiting that is very positive. It gets a hold of our hearts and souls in some way. There are all kinds of examples biblically of waiting. Women who waited, as it were, for the Lord to open their wombs, that they might not be social outcasts, that they might be respected by their husbands and their families, that they might do their role and their part in society. It wasn't easy waiting. There was times of occupation. Israel had sinned, had gone astray, and foreign armies had come in or attacked. And there was waiting. Waiting for deliverance. Waiting for relief. Waiting for news. Waiting for victory. Waiting on the Lord. There were 400 years in Egypt, most of them as slaves. And there was a waiting for a redeemer, deliverer. One who would lead them out of slavery and into freedom. And there was 40 years of waiting after that and 40 after that. There was the waiting that took place as the promised land was taken over and occupied, developed. And there's a deeper sense of waiting. There was a sense of waiting as we get to the time of Isaiah for the consolation of Israel. I love that phrase. Actually, Simon uses it in the temple, Luke. The consolation of Israel. Waiting for this moment of deliverance, this moment of peace. Waiting for this promise to be fulfilled, waiting on the Lord. That sentiment is well developed in our text this morning from Isaiah. And though it was just read, I urge you to turn to Isaiah 26 right now and spend a minute there with me. Isaiah 26, 30, uh, 25 to 33. Oh, excuse me, Isaiah 26, 7 to 9. Pardon me. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. I'd like to pose a question to you, first of all. Is that statement true? Boy, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Yeah, I think I agree with Peter. He says, not always. The path of the righteous is made smooth. There may be a sense in which the path of the righteous, that is to say those who are connected, those who in this context are part of, the, part of Israel, part of God's people, 
part of those who have the commandments and are doing the right thing. There may be a sense in which their path is somehow spiritually uh, clearer, their vision of that path clearer. I, I don't know how to speak to that. But I think we would want to say that in terms of logistics, the righteous suffer along with the wicked. The righteous take their lumps in this life. And often there is injustice that affects the righteous as well as the wicked. So Isaiah is speaking from a point of view. And he says, yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. And that sentence begins to clarify things for us just a little bit. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the Lord learn righteousness. So he caps that with a sort of idea of judgment and punishment and learning this, the kinds of things we classically associate. But in the meantime, there's something I think the filling is more important than the bread. Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. Our souls yearn for you in the night, and in the morning our spirits long for you. We don't wait for something that's here. We don't long for something we don't have. Or have, excuse me. We don't long for something we have. We don't yearn for the presence of someone that is present. And Isaiah is describing an emptiness. It's describing a state Yes, Lord, you provide for us. You make way in the desert. You lead us to a promised place. The paths of the righteous are laid straight. But despite that, despite your law, despite your promise, despite the things that you do on our behalf, we feel something missing. There's a yearning. There's a longing. There's a desire. There is something. We wait. We wait. And in this season of Advent, we celebrate waiting because it is that waiting for the coming of our God that we anticipate so keenly. It is the coming of our God we look forward to and, and await. And he comes as a babe, this incarnation, this flesh. And in the meantime, Isaiah expresses the sentiment, we yearn, we long, we wait. So that builds nicely, I think, into Luke 2, which was our passage from the New Testament, and if you'll turn there, that can be instructive as well. Lots of wonderful things in this passage, of course. Uh, Mary's song and, and uh, Zachariah's song, many things that we celebrate around this season. 
but we're going to be looking at Luke 2, 25 to 33. I was in Luke 1, sorry, misspoke. 25 to 33. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for, there's that phrase I mentioned, the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by that same spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying. Now there are several things that are pretty unique here, aren't there? You have an elderly man who is so filled with anticipation, a lifelong of waiting and yearning, and longing. And he's connected with the Holy Spirit. And he's received a very unique promise. You will not die until you see my deliverance, until you see the Messiah. You will not die. And every day he waits. Every day he listens. Every day he seeks. There at the temple listening for the Holy Spirit. And one day it comes, the consolation of Israel. He is moved. He's moved to go over into the temple courts and he sees the family. Now, when my son was born, I was reticent to give him to anybody, let alone a man standing on hard pavement who was very old. And I don't know how Mary and Joseph knew what they were doing or whether age was such a powerful grace in Israel that you just simply did what the elderly told you to do. But the baby Jesus ends up in Simeon's arms for a blessing. Isn't it odd? Man blessing God. And yet that is what we do. This whole thing we call the great controversy is about us determining the goodness and grace of God and choosing it. We decide who the winner is. And every choice we make puts us on one side or the other. When we choose sin, we're choosing the darkness rule. When we choose righteousness, we're choosing that light should rule. When we say, God, your way is the just way, we're acknowledging the truth of the universe. Simeon is all connected, all aligned, all a part of this. He took him in his arms and praised God and said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to die. For I have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Even from the moment he was born, the prophecy said he was for all. For you, for me, for all. The child's father and mother marveled at what it was said about him. And that's where we ended our reading. They marveled. Here was a man who waited. You too will see the consolation 
of Israel. You too may have the same spirit that possessed Simeon. You too may be guided by that same spirit to go where God wants you to go and to seek what he wants you to seek. You too can bless and be blessed. You too in this season of waiting and anticipation can welcome the babe into your arms and gaze upon the face of God and know that great things have happened past and great things will happen future and that your redemption has come. The deacons will wait upon us as we collect our offering of thanksgiving and our tithes. Lord, we wait on you for the joy of this season and of your coming. Amen. Amen.